Welcome to FitChicks Chat, the weekly podcast dedicated to educate and empower women to take control of their lives, where we talk about fitness, nutrition, mindset, and wellness. Today's episode is brought to you by FitChicks Academy, where we help heart-centered women who love health and fitness get certified as fitness and nutrition coaches and build amazing businesses. If you're ready to create the life, health, and career you love, please join us for our upcoming Fitness and Nutrition Expert Certification Program and download the brochure today at www.fitchicksacademy.com forward slash F&E brochure to learn more. Now let's dive into this week's episode of Fit Chicks Chat. Welcome to the Fit Chicks Chat Podcast, where we talk all things fitness, nutrition, and wellness for women to help you live your healthiest and fiercest life inside and out. And now, your hosts, Laura Jackson and Amanda Quinn. Hey everyone, welcome to Fit Chicks Chat. I'm Amanda Quinn and on today's podcast, I have a very special guest joining me today. Instead of Laura Jackson, I've got the amazing Marcy Moberg. Hi, Marcy. Hi. Oh, we, we froze for us. So second. great to be here. Awesome. Perfect. Now, um, <laughs> sorry, we froze for like two seconds, but that's just like the, you know, that's just technology and that's cool. That's totally fine. Now, um, Marcy, I'm so excited. We were talking offline and I was saying how I'm just so excited to have you join me today because you are an intuitive coach and healer. Now, can you tell our listeners what that exactly means? Cause, and how you kind of came about going into that role and like having that as your life passion, because I think it's just such an interesting title to have. Yes, absolutely. And it's not one that I would say is very common, although yeah. intuitive work is now growing, which is exciting to see. I, um, I became an intuitive, I would say, <laughs> first very reluctantly, and I'll tell a little bit about the background of that, but what an intuitive coach and healer is, is essentially I do two things. One is that, you know, the intuitive part of me, I would say, is really at the leadership position in my inner table when I'm doing work with clients. So I rely on my intuition to guide me through that work when I am coaching them and healing them. And I also specialize in helping people connect to their own intuition and actually develop that. So it's twofold. It's both my intuition guides me and I also help people open up to their intuition. And I would say, you know, just briefly that my history was that I was an extremely intuitive kid. I was, you know, I had this very intuitive way of being in the world, which most kids do, to be honest, just Mm -hmm. to different degrees. And then through social conditioning, through as we grow up, we get disconnected from that part of ourselves. So what that looked like for me is I had a really uncanny connection with animals. I just had this sense of knowing without meaning to communicate words what they were trying to communicate to me from animals to insects, a very, very strong connection to nature. I, um, growing up, I used to have experiences where I would see other, I'm not sure if it's other beings, other spirits, other realms of reality. I had a quote unquote imaginary friend, which I understand now to be a spirit guide that I was able to see and access when I was a kid. Um, And then for me, the turning point really happened when I had this very pivotal moment in my childhood where I had a premonition. I had precognition of what was going to happen, which was that my great grandmother was going to pass. And if you're a child and you know that, that is a lot of (laughs) responsibility. (laughs) And, you know, growing up in a family in the way that I did, there people were not plugged into this. There was no language for what was happening for me. There was no context. There was no acknowledgement for it. So it's really something that I just kept to myself. And when that happened, that was like one of the first times that I felt like I had to say something. And so because my mother and my great grandmother were super close, she was almost like a mother to my mom. And so I remember frantically before school saying, we have to go see grandma like now. And my mom and dad just completely confused about why I was so frantic and telling them, no, like, you don't understand. We have to go now. And they're like, okay, all right, let's just go to school now, you know? Right. So to my not surprise, the next morning, we basically got a phone call that said that my great-grandmother had passed. And 
that was a turning point because when you're a child and you don't have understanding for why you know that information and no one else around you knows it, no one else trusted you when you were kind of trying to guide them in that way. Right. It's a very terrifying experience. Did I cause the death? What is death really? You know, mm-hmm. what do you do with that? Yeah, I can't um, even imagine that would be so overwhelming as a child. Yeah, absolutely. And so that for me, I think is, at least as far as I can recall, one of the turning points for me, where I started recognizing, wow, this information is real. This information has an impact. I don't know what to do with this information because these adults are not acknowledging that I have this information. They're not acknowledging that this is real. Uh, This feels scary because now the information that I knew, everyone around me is just completely falling apart and upset and grieving and sad. And that's not a happy thing to experience. And so over time, I unconsciously shut those things down and started to really turn away from them because I could see also over time that my intellect was really strong. And so my intellect helped me to be very successful in school academically, and that actually was acknowledged. And so I would say over time, I learned to favor the intellectual side of myself. And that led me for a long time into adulthood to this point where I realized as an adult, even though I had achieved really the American dream, I was super unfulfilled. My job wasn't aligned. My marriage was not healthy. I owned a a house, but it didn't fully feel like home because I wasn't home inside of myself. And that was the turning point for me of really starting to turn back towards myself. I had no intention to reconnect to these intuitive gifts, But by nature of just doing a lot of self-reflection, deepening my awareness, a ton of inner healing work, then these intuitive gifts started popping up again. Yeah. But just like when I was a kid, honestly, I was scared of them. Yeah. I can see why, though. I can see why because it's, it's, especially as you get older, because you almost fight that idea in some ways, right? Like I think that you would kind of, you would push it away because it doesn't feel like something that you're familiar with. And whenever we do anything that's like change or different or something that is, you know, a little scary because it is something that's different from other people or, you know, like it just, it kind of turns you away. Like it makes you nervous to, to embrace it is really hard, but it's probably one of the most important things that you can do. I would think. Yeah, it it was the most important thing that I could do, but it was kind of like, I always tell people that intuition guided me to the work that I'm doing, like kicking, screaming, dragging, yeah. <laughs> like trying everything I could do to go in a different direction, to be honest. Yeah. I was very like, I, I, you know, some people seek out the path of being the healer. And I was like, please don't make me do this thing for a very long time. And so... <laughs> as my intuition started opening up and I started really having this very strong inner guidance, I eventually followed its, you know, push that had been giving me for a long time to leave the career I was in, to leave the marriage and to basically like leave everything. And that was a turning point for me, but I still didn't feel like I could, I still didn't feel like I could be public to be honest with entirely how I experienced the world and why I understood what I understood when I was doing healing work with people. Mm -hmm. And so I marketed myself in a more palatable way is what I would say. And I drew from the actual academic expertise I had, which was, you know, to be a, um, conflict resolution expert, a stress management expert, you know, just a traditional life coach. So I drew from that. And that's really what guided my work for a long time. But then, of course, as intuition would have it, I had clients come to me and say, you know, um, we would be doing deep work. And then all of a sudden, the images that they would be seeing would be not from this time period. And I would recognize that they had popped into a past life. Well, I'm not going to just ignore that. I have to name it and work with this. And then I'd work with it. And then they would have dramatically better results. And then someone else would have a situation come up where they would start to have all these dreams of a loved one who had passed. And they were, tell, you know, they'd come to session and say, I don't feel safe talking to my therapist about this. I don't know what to make of this. Somehow I feel like you intuitively, like, I just sense that you you know what this is, what this is and what's happening. So then I'd have to go there with that. And so it was just like one thing after the other. 
I couldn't hide from who I was. Right. Um, and so it was this very long, I would say, initiation process of, <laughs> of clients bringing me intuition into my space and seeing the ones that I allowed that to happen, getting dramatically better results and the ones that I would allow them and, and guide them into that process of deepening that connection had dramatically better results. So it was at a certain point where I had to say, you know what, by me not being myself, I'm not serving others. I'm not serving my fullest potential on this plane of existence. I'm not allowing these gifts to th flow through me. And it's actually quite selfish for me to not allow myself to be myself, as ironically as that sounds. Yeah. But I do believe that that's true for everyone, that when we really stop ourselves from being our true fullest selves, we, we stop the potential of how much we can serve others, whether we're in a formal role like a coach or a teacher, or whether we're in a role in our household, like a mother or a father, we just really stop that way that we can, we're, we're here to be an instrument for good. Oh my gosh. I could never have said that any better because I totally agree with you. You know, I have, I have so many questions and I have, so many, I'm so fascinated by what it is that we're talking about today. And I just, you know, one of the things that you said was like, you know, when you became a healer, it was like kicking and screaming. Like it wasn't, it wasn't something that you were open to doing. You were like, no, I don't want this. I don't want this. I don't want this. And you know, I talked to hundreds of women around the world consistently on, you know, a monthly basis. I'm always talking to women and they're in this space where they're not happy. They're not feeling satisfied. They're not feeling the joy that they should be feeling. And they have this thing that lights them up inside or that they feel like is their path, but they resist. And they resist and resist and resist because of fear. Fear sets in because what we were talking about earlier, it's like the idea of change or the idea of letting go of what is familiar or just stepping into a new space or stepping into a new place. And I say the same thing. I say, you know, if for me, I mean, of course, my industry is more about health and fitness and wellness. And when we, yours is wellness as well, but it's, you know, when it's talking about health and fitness, I'm like, if you're not helping people, like health and fitness is truly something that you can help people change the trajectory of their life. You can help them truly change their entire existence through teaching them the tools for health and fitness. So if you're holding that in and you're saying, I'm so passionate about this, but I'm just going to keep all this information to myself, you're doing a disservice to the world because the world needs you. And I feel like that's the same with you. Like it's, there's so many people that need more insight and more guidance. And so it's so wonderful that you decided to embrace it and go with it and say, it, reluctantly, but eventually, <laughs> that you finally said, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to really just allow this to flow and to happen. And I think I, I commend you for that because it's something that's not an easy task. Thank you. Yeah. And I would say that, you know, part of why, especially women are so reluctant to step out is that there's a lot of layers behind that that's stopping us that's not just ourselves. It's a matter of what happened in your household. And if you got to quote unquote big, was it seen as threatening to other people or did it become unsafe? Right. It goes back to social conditioning and how we're conditioned uh, you know, as women um, in our gendered, you know, in our society and the idea that women need to interact with the world and play certain roles in a certain way. And while that's expanding, it's still limited. And then it goes back to ancestry because, you know, we, look, we know from epigenetics that trauma and different patterns are literally passed down through DNA. So perhaps we have somewhere in our family line where a woman got quote unquote too big and therefore that had significant consequences, whether it was punishment or death. And then on top of that, you add the layer of, you know, what I believe are past lives and, and that many women have these past lives where they were punished. And so for my myself, for example, I know that in my past, I have experiences where I was a healer and it had significant consequences. You know, even if we don't have those pieces, we do have this history in different parts of the world, like the witch trials and things like that, where women were punished for having a certain kind of voice, you know, or being a certain, being in a certain level of their power. And so it's a very, it's a very real thing that's, that plays out inside of us at an unconscious level that I think is 
it goes so unacknowledged. Now, what do you think, and I'm sorry, like, I know I sent you some questions in advance, but I just have so many other questions. So <laughs> I hope it. you don't mind that I'm going to ask you. I, I, <laughs> I love this conversation Follow so your much. Intuition. Cool. I, I mean, you know, you were saying that like oftentimes like it's passed on from DNA, like it can be passed on from, you know, even our parents' experiences and things like that. What do you feel when somebody completely resists the idea? Like, for example, with my parents, my family, my mother was always in a position where she never worked. She was a stay-at-home mom. She could never take care of herself. And at one point in her marriage, she wanted to divorce my father. She told me this when I was younger. And then, but she said, I can't. I'm forced mm. to stay in this marriage because of my, my situation. I, I can't take care of the family. I can't do these things. So I'm going to stay because this is my opportunity. This is the only opportunity I have. And I remember, and I don't know if this is intuition or if this is just like my own guidance, but I remember saying at a very young age, like, I will never be that. And so my whole life is the complete opposite where my husband is the stay-at-home dad and I actually take care of our family. And I've made such a huge role reversal. And then does that come from that same sort of place or is that actually just breaking down what could have been my path? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think for many of us, when, <clears throat> when we kind of branch off from the family tree in a different direction, a lot of times, especially I would say in the present day, I think that there is unprecedented numbers of people, particularly women that I have seen in my own work that are, I believe, here to break these ancestral lines that have been passed down for so long. And so I see something like the story that you shared, which I love that you shared, as this moment of like a conscious recognition of this is a pattern that doesn't feel true to me, that doesn't feel good to me, and therefore I'm going to consciously choose something different. And so I think that that, you know, that's what happens is that a lot of times these ancestral patterns happen because they're unconsciously done, right? And that people don't have the courage to say, it, intuitively, this doesn't feel good. Like in my body, this feels not supportive. Yeah. However, I'm going to override that. And that's a very common, I mean, it's why I'm so passionate about reconnecting women to their intuition because so many of us have these moments through our own experiences and the way society pressures us and the way families can pressure us, loved ones, caretakers, to override that inner knowing. So it sounds to me like you have this very strong inner knowing, like, mm, no, that doesn't like ring true to me at a young age, which is the formative years where we really are connected to that clear inner knowing without all these layers of social conditioning. And then you really kind of, it sounds like put an anchor in the ground and allow that to stay there and guide you through your life, which is huge. I mean, you know, kudos to you for being, having the strength to do that because it's very easy to go into what um, Tokopa Turner, who I love her work, like talks about going into false belonging. Like we can, lean in towards false belonging instead of true belonging and true belonging oftentimes for many of us is actually going a path that's very very different than our family and perhaps unacceptable could be judged mm -hmm. and so many so often we override our inner knowing to lean into false belonging to lean into the illusion that we're belonging but over time leaves like the sour taste in the mouth that's so fascinating. I love that. <laughs> no, I mean, I want to, I want to back up for just a second. Cause I mean, I, I guess I just, for our listeners right now, I would love to just have you define what intuition is to you, because I do think just understanding that to answer some of the other questions I have for you, just understanding what like that true definition is of what that means to you and what that can mm -hmm. mean to other people so they can really recognize it. Yes. So intuition for me is the wise part of ourselves. You can think of it as a lot of different ways. It's referred to in, in many different kind of terminology, I would say throughout time and texts and history. We could say it's your soul's voice. We could say it's your heart. We could say it's your higher, wider self. Um, we could say it's, it's any of those parts of yourself, but it, whatever wording works for people, it's that kind of wise part of ourselves. And then I would say I extend that definition of intuition to also include the fact that we have 
spirit teams. So that for me is really plugging into our intuitive nature. Intuitive nature is recognizing that there are loved ones, ancestors on the other side guiding us, whether we recognize it or not, that there are spirit guides that are like our muses. You know, where does the muse come from? For me, the muse comes from those guides who come in and we have like this spark of inspiration. Um, and so all of that together creates this like internal GPS and guidance system. I always tell people, you know, we're in a culture now where we Google outside of ourselves and intuition is coming back to Googling inside of yourself. I love that. Cool. <laughs> now that's so cool. Now, I mean, for people listening right now, I know that oftentimes, you know, people may be at a place where they are even at like a fork in the road or at a breaking point in their life, whether it be like health or wellness or their relationship or their career or whatnot. And like, what are some of the signs that you see or that you could tell people like, when, when do you actually see a sign within yourself that it's like, this is not my path or it should not be my path? And how do you like, trust this new path that is presenting itself because I feel like I Mm. pay attention to signs and I pay attention to like you know when things happen I'm like why did that happen like it's not just like if I have a car accident it's not just a car accident it's like why did that car accident happen and it's usually because it's like I need to slow down in life you know or like things like that like I kind of like I take it as like a bigger sign for like something and I don't do that always because I'm human and I don't always like connect to the connect the dots so to speak but I do try to really pay attention. And I know when I speak to women about, you know, when they're like, is this my path? Is this, I always talk about this whole idea of like, pay attention to the things that light you up, that excite you, that like, when you're talking about it, you're just like, your energy shifts and it changes. But that's just my take on sort of how to pay attention to it. I'd love to hear sort of your thoughts around what's the sort of sign that it's like time to maybe take a different road. And how do you even recognize that? Mm-hmm. Yes, I, lo- I love this question because it's important that to recognize when you're at a fork in the road, right? Mm-hmm. To realize like, oh, I've been kind of marching in place at a fork in the road for a while and I didn't realize that that's what I'm doing, right? Yeah. And so when I think that when we're at a place where we're, we're reaching um, uh, a point where we're at the fork of the road and there's like a breaking point that can show up in a lot of different ways, I would say generally it shows up as chronic stress symptoms. Chronic stress symptoms can look like a variety of things from you are having trouble sleeping to oversleeping, right? It's kind of like the hyper versus hypo experience of your nervous system. It can be that you are in overextended period of time. You could be experiencing anxiety. You're feeling like more anxious, more your system's feeling more revved up. Or you could be feeling the opposite. Your system's feeling more depressed. You could be, apathy, by the way, is a really big one. Apathy, cynicism, those can be signs that, okay, something's up. Something is misaligned right now. Uh, Also, I would say, um, you know, just checking into basic habits around what's happening with your, your thought process. Are you feeling like you're in, you're in a lot of fear and there's a lot of story telling, playing out that's telling you that you need to, you know, you have to keep doing something. Right. And I say that because I will say for myself, it, and, and also then you kind of link back to it of like, what does it, what is the feeling in the body? And I will say for myself within the first month of doing the 10 year government job that I did for nine months, I knew it wasn't aligned. And I stayed there for nine years. Wow. (laughs) I stayed there for nine years. It felt so uncomfortable because I know, like, I know how that, like, it just, it feels like it's like closing in on you for me, at least. That's always the way I describe it. It's like, I just feel like, ah, like it's not, it's not good. (laughs) And I cycled through all of those things I described. So for me, and I would say the volume for me turned up over time because, because, and everyone has a different, what I call burning point. Like we all have a point where we feel like we've touched the stove and we go, ouch, that's really hot. I'm not going to do that again. Right. Or I I need to change something. But what that point is, is different for every person. And so for me, I was really stubborn. I was really fearful of taking a different path. I was really attached, I would say, 
to these ideas of what success looks like and ideas of what my relationship with money should look like from my parents. And because I was so attached to that and I was so concerned with being accepted in certain ways, I would say, then I kept overriding that inner knowing. So I went through periods of time of anxiety, which then would eventually become panic attacks to places of depression where I just had zero energy to places of apathy where I didn't care about anything. And those cycles would keep happening. And then for me, what happened was, and happens for a lot of people is when you kind of start to ignore those emotional energetic signals, then the body starts to break down. And that's essentially what happened to me is I started just getting really sick all the time, like entire systems going offline. You know, my, you know, if for people who have wombs, your womb space can tell you a lot. So my womb space, my womb bled for three months straight. I understand that as my intuition saying, would you please wake up right would you please wake up right and it literally would wake me up with violent cramping at like 3 a.m in the morning well that's like one of the moments where you know our intuition will speak to us the most because it's kind of when the veils are the thinnest but i still wasn't i was still fearful it felt and this is what i find it happens for a lot of people it feels quote unquote easier to keep doing what you're doing than to change because change right. is unknown doing mm-hmm. what you're doing is known and predictable right yeah. but the truth is is it's actually harder it 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 gets harder over time so it, it becomes compacted so i would agree with you is like if if in the body things are feeling constricted tight like you're closing in you're feeling like trapped, you're feeling you don't have space, you're feeling disinterested, you're feeling apathy, you don't care. All of these can be signs or if you're continuing to have even something like, you know, you're having cold, you get a cold, and the next thing you know, you, you've got a cold again. And the next thing you know, like the cold is lasting for three weeks. The next thing you know, it's like, what the heck? Why can't I get rid of this low level code? cold? Mm-hmm. You know, rule out medical things. But so often, what's happening for us is this your soul is crying out for you to stop being who you think you need to be and to become who you are. Wow. I love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that so much because I think, you know, I can think of so many instances where, you know, I reached breaking points in my life and I really tried to take necessary steps when I was dealing with anxiety for like years. It was like crippling anxiety. And the only time I waited till it became so uncomfortable that I was like, I either need to get help or I need to check myself into a hospital because I didn't, I couldn't even trust my own self with myself anymore. It was really, Mm -hmm. it was really overwhelming and really tense. And I chose to go see a, like a therapist slash, like she was like an alternative therapist with like a lot of meditation work and things like a mindfulness work. And I did that for seven years. So for anyone listening, it's like to correct something for me, at least my experience was to correct all of the, like for not following what I was supposed to be doing and to correct that. It took me seven years to un like bury everything that I had buried deeply inside of me and tried to push away. It took me that long to get to a place where I felt like free from all of that. You know what I mean? And like, now I can honestly say I don't have anxiety anymore. Like I truly I have moments of like, you know, when my daughter hurts herself or something, but it's not the same. It doesn't last. It doesn't stay with me. It doesn't consume me. And it's just, it's such a powerful thing. It's a difficult thing, but it's a powerful thing. And when I think back now and think to the moments when I had anxiety and I remember having moments being like, am I going to feel like this for the rest of my life? And I was so terrified of that, that whenever I think yes. about the work, I remember that feeling and I'm like, man, like, Imagine if I was still feeling that way. What would my life be like now? So when you're thinking about the work or you're thinking about the change and you're thinking about how challenging that can be, just remember when you're in that moment how hard that is. And then the work becomes so much easier, I find. Yeah, I, I love that you shared that story because it does take time. I feel, I feel that there's a lot of disservice that's out there around how people transform and that there's the perception that, oh yeah, there's this quick fix. I did this thing and then it was over. And the reality is, is to do really long, like lasting, sustainable, life changing 
doesn't go backwards generally work. It takes a lot of years. I completely agree. I mean, I've been in my own process for 13 years now and it's still unfolding. And I think that it just, that's important. It's, you know, the hardest part is always the first step. The hardest part is always the first step. And so it is that moment of going, oh my gosh, you know, but I'm, I'm feeling all of this right now. And, and to try to think about stepping out of this is too, it feels too much. But the truth is, is that the first step is the hardest and then it gets easier and easier. It doesn't mean it's more comfortable. It just means yeah. it's easier to choose that step, that next step, that next step, that next step, because you already took the first one and you went, okay, I took this first step and whoa, that was scary. And it feels, but it feels a little bit better So, okay, I can have the courage to keep going. And uh, timeline is important because I do find that people may start to invest in their process and then disengage. At a certain point, they get momentum and they go, okay, I'm good. But my experience is once you get the momentum, you know, that's when the real work starts. That's when this new wave of deeper awareness comes in, this new wave of, oh, did you think about did you think <laughs> about these layers of your subconscious and these layers of your unconscious? And that's when we have to really face those. So over the long term it, term is important. And for me, my turning point was a uh, healer actually said to me that I was doing work with, I was learning meditation and mindfulness and um and they said to me, Marcy, I got to be really honest with you. I don't think you're going to make it to age 30. I don't think you're going to make it to 30 if you don't change something. Wow. And that was a big shocking wake up call for me because I was in my 20s. Wow. I'm 37 now. And, and I said, wow, that's hard to hear. But I feel like that's true. Yeah. And that was something that just stirred something really deep inside of me. So I feel really grateful because along the way, I had people like me at different points that the universe would bring into my life to really shake me and wake me up because that waking up process was not happening on my own. And I do find that 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 is quite common for most of us. We really, we need uh, a guide, a sage, a mentor, or someone, you know, who can actually support us and 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 be the backbone of that partner of that process that's outside of our family circle because they're going to really continue to hold up that greater that greater kind of path that you're starting to take when you really want to abandon it. And remind you why you're doing it. And what would you say though to, you know, cause I know that sometimes people are like, okay, I'm ready to make a change. I'm ready to go and I'm ready to really just try to understand this and try to get through this. And then they choose a path that maybe doesn't really, maybe it's not the right path for them. You know, like maybe they're choosing to, you know, I remember when I was younger and, um, I had some major trauma in my life when I was younger and my family, they brought me over to see a psychiatrist and he was like, you've got to take these pills and this and that. And I was like, no, like that doesn't feel right to me. Like I, I don't. And he's like, Oh, you know, you're suicidal and it's not, and I'm like, I'm not like, I don't feel that way. Like, and it was very, like he was putting all these thoughts in my brain and I was like, mm. not, that doesn't feel real. So I made a decision. I was like, I'm never going to talk to him again. He's not like, he's so wrong and he's so on a different path than I am. But I was very aware of that. But there's a lot of people that will just be like, maybe he's right, you know, and they believe, especially when it's a person of authority, they'll believe it because it's a person of authority and they don't trust themselves enough. Um, I was very fortunate that I trusted yes. myself and I trust my, I trust my own thoughts and my feelings and my, my, you know, everything around my own gut instinct, um, my intuition. But how do you sort of guide people or what would you suggest to people that kind of go into that where maybe it doesn't feel right? but they still feel like they have to follow it because that's maybe the only option that they think is available. Oh, this is so important, Amanda. I'm so glad that you brought this up because yes, it happens all the time, all the time. And you're exactly right. When people are in positions of authority, they're not, so often people are not as strong as you're at that age and, and good for you to be able to say like, no, this is not, this is not matching me. No, this doesn't feel aligned. I tell people, and it's something that I personally practice in my own work with people on whether I decide to work with someone or not. I need it to feel for both parties, 
like it is really safe. I need both parties to feel like it's this, the container is really safe. And like there is a sense of mutual trust, that there is a sense of partnership, that there is a sense of each person having a voice. So if somebody's looking at exploring work with someone, you still should have a voice in that, yeah. regardless of that person's expertise. You should still have a voice and you should still be able to say, you know, that's not really how I'm experiencing it. And if that practitioner is safe and I would say practicing pretty ethically, they would say, that's interesting. Tell me more. You know, they would ask questions. Okay, cool. Well, let's explore that more. And they would be open to exploring your perspective. So I would say if you're feeling like you're in a situation like that, you should, I would encourage people to speak up and ex- explain, you know, share what they're experiencing and notice how the person responds. That can give you a lot of information around whether that space is actually safe for you and is going to honor your own inner knowing. Is it going to honor your own inner knowing? And notice if it feels safe in the body. Maybe you, there will be like perhaps low level fear, right? But does it feel safe? Does it feel like this container is sacred? This, this experience is sacred. And I can know that in some ways, because what's really important in inner work like that is to be able to feel safe enough to kind of metaphorically get naked. And in order to do that, that space needs to feel safe. It needs to feel sacred. It needs to feel, I believe, loving. It needs to feel supportive. It needs to feel like you have permission to say what is coming up for you without judgment, without uh, punishment. So those are the pieces I would look at. I'd really look at safety. I'd really look at how does it feel in your body. I'd really look at what happens if I share my perspective. Is it honored? Is it explored? Is the person curious about it? Or do they completely shut it down? Yeah. And I I would make sure that too at the end of a session that there's there's clarity around, okay, well, what are you both agreeing that you're taking away from that process? What are you both agreeing from? You're taking away from that session. And again, if that person is the only thing that they're taking away is the ideas that they're trying to implant onto you versus what you have shared into that space, again, that can be information. And know that we're in a living in a day and age, which is so wonderful uh, that we have the internet, that there are so many practitioners out there that I know that for all, every single listener you have, they have a practitioner that's right for them. It, yes. it, they exist. They exist. There are, you know, if you go to, you think that your only option is to do work in person. I'm here to tell you that for the last 13 years, most of the work that I've done with the people that I trust the most has been virtual. Yeah. Has been virtual. And there's a lot of powerful things that can happen that way. It's also how I end up working with my clients. So I would say if you find someone and, and it's not, you know, it doesn't feel supportive, also shop around, you know, metaphorically shop around, do check-ins, you know, check-ins or initial consultation or initial session with several people, see what you feel like in your body and then explore from there. And also ask through your networks, ask through your friends, your family networks, people you trust. They may know someone or they may be three steps away from somebody else who could be a good support system for you. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, Because I do, I agree. I think it's a really important piece that we need to explore and talk about because I think that people just kind of, they just go with something because they just found someone that's close to them like or whatever. And it's like from like a proximity standpoint or whatever. And then they just, they stick with it even though it doesn't feel right. It's the same thing as, it's almost like the same thing as what started in the first place, which is like you're being stuck in a job or a relationship or anything that doesn't feel right then you try to find help and then you stay stuck with that, even though that doesn't feel right. So it's like this perpetual thing that just keeps growing. So I think finding that's really important. No, would you say the thing too that I just want to briefly say is that if, if people, you know, sometimes the other factor that's just coming to my mind right now that can play into things is insurance, right? Does this practitioner take insurance or not? Are they covered in our insurance? Can I afford this? And so I, I would encourage people you know, as much as they can, if there's a situation that doesn't feel like it's aligned in it with insurance, there's likely another practitioner that you can find that may be matching your insurance. That may be, that may be an opportunity. <clears throat> or if it feels like you're not finding someone and you are able to look within your spending, how you're spending your money, what does it look like that you're spending? And if you're spending, you know, money on a consistent basis on things like 
coffees, lattes, I don't know, different things yeah. that you recognize that maybe don't feel as important, then maybe you, you continue to quote unquote spend that money by setting it aside in a savings account and you save up over time for the practitioner you feel safest to work with and you can you can do work that way and then maybe there's um, in the meantime some free resources or different pieces like that that you can benefit from that could support you or you can also sometimes doing work in a group can be more affordable for people if finances is an issue so you could do some more uh, join a group program and then therefore maybe over time you can save and then work towards one-on-one work if that's more supportive so just I like to put the finance piece out there because I know that that's a big factor for people and even if it feels like like what's most financially doable for you is within insurance. I promise that there are other practitioners out there that you can find that would be within your insurance. Yeah. No, I'm glad that you said that because I do think it's an important piece. And I think that it's, it's something that holds people back is finance. They're like, Oh, well I can't necessarily budget for this, but I, I mean, and I know that there are times when it truly is just not in the budget. Like I get that. I understand that. And I hear people when they say that, but at the same time, I truly believe when it comes to your relationship or your own mental health or your own just guidance for your own life, I feel like you can't afford not to, you know, it's like you have to figure out a way to make it work in some way, shape or form, whether it is like what you said, group or doing, I know virtual sessions can sometimes be less expensive and things like that. Like if you can find something that is going to work for you, um, look into different options. Don't just feel like, well, this is my only option for sure. Would you and maybe you can't do the same frequency, so you do, you know, yeah. you don't do, you can't do the same amount of frequency that you would like to normally, so that's okay, then just spread the frequency out of sessions, at least you can start uh, dibs and drabs, like getting yeah. what is supportive for you now. Totally. Now, would you say that there's a time, going back to intuition, like, would, would you say there's a time and place where you shouldn't trust your intuition? Has there ever been times when like your intuition has been wrong or guided you wrongly or that you've misunderstood it? Mm. So a couple of pieces about this. One is that I would say my intuition has never guided me wrong. My mind has interpreted my intuition wrong. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I always tell people that intuition speaks in long sentences. Yeah. So there can be something that's revealed to you. There are, there's a, a knowing, some sense of guidance, some signs that are being revealed to you. And the mind likes, because our minds are impatient, and then we have these devices called cell phones that, that you know, reinforce that for us. <laughs> so our minds get impatient and we go, oh, okay, that's what this means, and like clings to it and snaps onto it and then propels really fast forward. But sometimes what ends up happening is that intuition has kind of just started speaking the sentence metaphorically and over time is going to finish that sentence. So I would say times where things kind of went into a direction that was perhaps a little bit more hairy or (laughs) (laughs) things like that, it was because my mind got really, uh, really focused on what does this mean now and trying to figure it out versus having a clear sense of, okay, noted, here are these, here's this, this series of signs, here are these series of synchronicities, here is this sense of guidance that I'm receiving now. And then, you know, asking a question and saying, okay, got it, acknowledged, you know, metaphorically sending the text message back, okay, I'm ready to understand what does this mean for me? So instead of me sitting down and analyzing and trying to figure it out, I instead stay open to receive the next part of the sentence. So that's one thing. The other thing I would say too is even if you quote unquote go the wrong direction, I don't think there are wrong directions, but even if you take a path where your mind kind of clings on to intuition and starts to run in a certain direction and you recognize that, oh, actually it, I was meant to go left instead of right, right metaphorically, then it's still fine. You know, it all works out. There are so many different realities of how life can unfold for us. And I do find that no matter what, intuition gently always guides us back to our path, right? 
my example of taking nine years to leave my job yeah. was intuition guiding me gently, gently. Okay, well, I see you're going to stay here a little bit longer. All right. Well, while you're there, we're going to guide you to explore this. We're going to guide, we're going to keep preparing you. We're going to keep preparing you. We're going to keep preparing you. Okay. Are you ready to leave now? No. Okay. We're going to keep preparing you. So I find that intuition works like that, that it's not a sense of uh, right or wrong, but I would say that intuition inevitably is pretty much always spot on. It's more like our mind gets in the way. It's all how you interpret it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Cool. Now, um, the final thing, I'd love to leave our listeners with some tips on just how they might be able to start tapping into their own intuition a little more. Because I do think, like you said in the beginning, when we're younger, we're much more open to it. I think we're much more open to everything because we don't have those set social conditioning and parameters around us to like keep us just, you know, sort of focused on one area or like confused about certain things. Like we're just, we're just so much more open. Like I see it in my daughter constantly, but it's like, what are ways that people can start slowly just tapping back into that and start understanding it a little bit more? So some ways that I recommend people do that is start with things that are more benign is the best way I can describe it. So things that you're, that don't feel emotionally charged. So don't start with what career path am I meant to take? Or is this relationship right for me? Start with something that's a little bit less emotionally charged because if you start with the piece that's emotionally charged, it's likely just going to be very confusing for you. So you start with something small, like, do you feel inclined to take an umbrella because you have a sense that it's going to rain, even though you didn't see rain in the forecast and you honor that? Or do you go to the grocery store and you're, and you have this just strong knowing that you all are out of butter and you need to get butter. And even though it's not on the list, you just have this strong knowing that you do and you buy the butter. And so it sounds silly, but it's really little tiny things like that of following your hunches in small, simple ways that don't really have devastating you know, effects. It's, it's fine. If you walk around all day with an umbrella and it doesn't rain, like it's fine. You know, and nobody's, <laughs> nothing's bad's going to happen. People may just be, may think that you're a little curious, but that's it. Over time, <laughs> To do that, you'll start to recognize, oh, this is what an intuitive hunch feels like right. versus not. So that's that. The other piece is just being in your body more. So just checking in with your body and different dynamics. How, how am I feeling in my body right now? Am I feeling that you know, a sense of expansion or curiosity or openness, or am I feeling constriction or tightening? This comes up a lot. For example, I find in people who are dating and exploring the realm of partnership and romantic relationship, so often people have a very strong sense from the beginning intuitively, oh, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel aligned or this doesn't feel safe. And then they override it because, oh, but this person is so nice, but oh, they have these qualities, etc. So it's really tuning into what does it feel like in the body. The other piece I would say is paying attention to repetition. So paying attention to repetition of symbols that show up for you, messages that may show up for you, and how that shows up for each person is entirely different. So for, for example, recently I had a series of dreams with, with spiders. And then I kept seeing spiders, you know, just kept having all these weird encounters with spiders. I remember one day I was walking through a parking lot, giant parking lot, giant parking lot. There's no <laughs> trees in the middle of it or anything. And I somehow walked through a spider web. I have no idea how that was made. I have no idea. <laughs> but for me, it felt like intuition was, yeah, it was so bizarre, but it was this sense of, you know, again, it was so unusual that I couldn't ignore it. So paying attention to these weird signs and just acknowledging them and then being open to receive guidance around what they may mean. And then the last piece I would say is that just a lot of practice. So every year I teach a course, which will be opening soon called Intuition 101, which is this foundational course that really walks people through a process of how do you start to intentionally practice this? What kinds of practices can you do on a daily basis to start to open up to your intuition? What does intuition look like? How do you receive different ways of guidance because my my discovery is that each of us have an intuitive language and it's not 
it's not necessarily so obvious. So it takes some time to understand how you can decode it so you can track it. And that's really what's happening when you're connecting to intuition. You're learning an entirely new language that's not linear, that doesn't unfold in the same way that our spoken kind of intellectual linear language works. And so it can be really helpful to invest in something, whether it's a person or a coach or otherwise, to try to really start to decode your own intuitive language and recognize what's happening for you. Wonderful. Now, you mentioned your course that you have coming up. Would you mind telling our listeners just a little bit more about how they can get in touch with you, how they can find you? I mean, um, for anyone listening, it is all of um, Marcy's links will be available at fitchicksacademy.com on the blog post, along with the links and details and your social posts and everything. But how, um, for anyone listening right now, how can they get in touch with you if they're interested in learning more, especially about your course or even just reaching out to you to connect to potentially even... Um, go through any kind of healing process with you. Yes. So they can find me online, just my first and last name.com. So Marcy, M-A-R-C-I-M-O-B as a boy, E-R-G as in George.com. And um, if they join my email list, then they, they'll get a free lesson from this course that I teach, the, the free overview lesson from the course Intuition 101, which is a great way to get a sense of what the course is like. And then also they will then receive notification that way of when registration is open. Uh, so registration will be open in um, September. We'll be running the course through September and October and part of November. And yeah, and if they're interested in doing deep dive one-on-one work, if a group process is not something for them or they're not looking to learn, listening, looking to learn specific skills, but rather looking to do more of a deep dive exploration around, you know, questions of what is my career path exactly? Why am I feeling these, these feelings in this part of my life? How did I lose myself? How do I start to come back to my own inner knowing? Then that's when I recommend doing some intuitive one-on-one work where we can start to unpack those layers and, and slowly remove and get to the roots around what's blocking you so that it's easier to hear your intuition. Awesome. That's perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you so much for your time. I love this conversation. I'd love to have you back and join us because I feel like, again, I just feel like I have millions of questions <laughs> around all of this because <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so fascinated by it though. And I think it's so important because it's just such an important practice to understand within yourself. So for, to have your own guidance is so powerful. So um, definitely we'll have you back. I'll reach out to you. Um, for everyone listening, thank you so much for listening. And of course, check out fitchicksacademy.com so that you can find out more information about Marcy as well as if you want to check out any of our programs coming up as well. So Marcy, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. All right, perfect. Thank you, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Fit Chicks Chat Podcast. Want more healthy love? Visit www.fitchicks.com for amazing resources, free workouts, recipes, tips, and so much more to help you live your healthiest and fiercest life inside and out. Thank you for joining us this week. And remember, if you are ready to create the life, health, and career you love, join us for the upcoming Fitness and Nutrition Expert Certification Program. Download the brochure today at www.fitchicksacademy.com forward slash F&E brochure.